1: Now, without further ado, onto tonight's events, Skills for the Modern Workplace. Please welcome your host, Lucy Kellaway.
0: Thank you very much and welcome to everybody. We have three absolutely splendid panel members. We have here Chris Hurst, who is CEO of Havas in UK and Europe. Yes and used to run Grey London, and it was a rubbish advertising agency when he, was, when he started and was completely sore away brilliant by the time he left. Is that roughly...?
1: That's how I
0: tell it. <laughs> kind of correct. Then we have Keely Woodley, who is Grant Thornton. So you're, I think it's fair to say you're, uh, you're the only sort of real proper corporate person on the panel. So I may be constantly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I no, no no, 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 no. Advertising <laughs>
2: industries don't count as
0: real, proper corporate. Yeah, yeah. So I will be calling That's on you frequently, Excellent. and um, you run the human capital practice. So you human know. capital
2: practice and focus on mergers and acquisitions. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh,
0: and then and then and then finally we've got Andrew Mullinger, who was the co-founder of Funding Circle, set it up less than ten years ago, now employs more than seven people, has been wildly successful, and. Andrew Andrew now describes himself as semi-retired, so he's got something that we all aspire to. When we at the FT we have done a piece of work and we've asked employers what are the soft skills or personality traits, as I would rather call them, that they find most difficult to hire for, and they have said that, that they are struggling to find people who can work with a diverse group of colleagues. Mm-hmm. And really, really struggling to find people who can prioritise their time.
2: Does that surprise you, Killy? Because you, well, prioritising time. I mean, that—that's an. Um... <laughs> You know, that's a that is a tricky one. I, mean, I, I think I'm still learning that at the moment. But you know, <laughs> yeah. that that's a difficult one to to teach school kids. You know about what is important. But does that occur in, in all the companies that you talk to? Are they compared? I mean, I, I find these two extraordinary. But... I, I I would have expected initiative to be up there. So it, people taking the initiative, being resourceful. I would I would have expected yes. that to be something that I don't think we necessarily teach in schools. It's quite rote learning still in terms of the skills mm. and you know. History, geography, or, you know, how, how do they relate mm. into the world of employment? So I would have thought, so I'm surprised by you know, effectively time management as being a key skill that we're not teaching our, our right. children.
1: I don't think it's extraordinary. Certainly, do you one feel of them. the same? Uh, well, I, I think working with people is really. Di- I mean, people are difficult. I know, I mean, of course, I mean, people <laughs> are uh, difficult. You know, I mean, people uh, have always
0: uh, been uh, difficult. P- p- people are no more but, difficult so, than they used so, to
1: no, be. No, no. So I don't know whether it's harder than it was, but, but it I wasn't think
0: what, it was working with a diverse yeah. group of people. Yeah, but but I think that's,
1: but I think that is really difficult. I think I mean, diverse can mean tons of different things. It? but but I think that is a really really difficult thing to do effectively and well, and that's why you know people that can do that, and I think the education system needs to help people to learn to learn how to do those things. Uh, the, on the time management piece, I sort of wonder whether a bit of that's down to the organisation, actually, because I think a lot of organisations aren't clear enough about what the actual thing they want people to do is.
2: Mm. Just on that diversity point, though, and working with diverse groups, I think you find, particularly if someone's come from a more challenged background, that actually walking into an office environment... Mm is incredibly difficult because that may not be something that they've ever done Mm. before in their lives. And I think one of the things that we lack in society is role models from different communities, people who've had different challenges, different struggles, to actually stand up and say, this is my path. And I think um, there's a study that's been done in the US where you've got lots of black African-Americans who make it all the way to Yale and Harvard and then drop out in the first year because they, they just can't deal with the environment mm-hmm. that they find themselves in because people aren't like them. And, and if you haven't got those role models leading the way and saying, I've done this and you can do it too... It, it's it's really difficult. And I'd expect the stats probably to be the same around Oxford and Cambridge, in fact. Yes. Yeah. So I think that, that whole piece around diversity and fitting in is because, again, the employers are di- uh, divorced from the education system and people aren't introduced to those environments early mm. enough. So if we have to... I mean, I think what we are meant to be doing is
0: saying what the skills for the 21st century are jolly well meant to be, and I'm not going to send you away empty-handed. So, Chris, you are allowed to name up to three, and then we will all leap in and disagree with you, probably.
1: <laughs> uh, OK. Oh, God. Right, three skills for the 21st century. I think there is... There is there is something I don't know. I can't sum it up in a single word, but there is something to do with the ability to EQ people people skills. I know that's fudging it a little bit, but but a lot of our businesses now are to do with your ability to interact and get get the most out of the people you work with. When you walk into a room, do people do people's hearts jump or sing? But is and that that's a,
0: really more important? Yeah. Isn't that a skill that came in handy in the twentieth century too? Uh, yes, is that probably? So, but, so, I mean, I don't think yeah. that's gone
3: away. But, uh, no, uh, but do i
1: think I, is, is, is you, it, it been, more important? The
0: question is: Is it more important I, I, than I, it is? I to personally
3: be. think it is the EQ piece and reason why, or my analysis of it is that historically, I think you you had more compartmentalised life, right? So you'd have your your and everything to do with the way you dressed, how your attitude at work, what you felt was your behaviour, and and ultimately who you were, your personality would deviate depending on. You know which group you were at and work mm. was definitely distinct now I think that that line is being yeah. completely mm. yeah. and then then what ends up happening is you have you're more authentic people are who they are it's important for them to to lay themselves a little bit on the on on the line and all they do they're passionate all that good stuff and so if you then don't have an understanding of what is their what makes up their self-esteem all this kind of stuff you can actually cause them to be a, uh, have such a negative effect on them so let's say you criticise someone and actually that was the basis of their self esteem structure right? That was the base, you know, they felt like you know they, I, I think I'm smart and someone just mm. destroyed me and made me feel God and completely undermined my self esteem in that area suddenly you have to completely rebuild that whereas I think historically you'd be like well that's just work and I'll just move on mm. I know, my oh, self esteem is see, different. I'm
0: not so sure about that in fact mm. there's so many things that you've disagreed with that I've disagreed with and what you've just said <laughs> first of all How many of you feel passionate about what you do? Hmm... How many of the panel feel passionate? I've about seen, it? I've <laughs> seen your passion. was saying passion Please.
2: was uh, some, a sexual attraction? So, so most or... of us, yes, passion
0: means strong sexual attraction or suffering of Jesus Christ on the cross. So, um, and, and also, I, I think actually, room. I am <laughs> allowing. I think I'm allowing people who have started their own businesses to feel something akin to the suffering of Jesus Christ on the cross, <laughs> and so I'm sort of allowing passion for that. But for those of us who are sort of wage slaves, we are not passionate about we, what we do, and we ought to not to be passionate about it. We ought to like what we do. And that should be a good... You know, I, I like what I do, and that's why I've stuck at it for 32 years. And I, some days I really do like it a lot. And and and, and, yeah, and mean, that should be enough. So
3: You should like your, your job more than your partner, for example. I mean, I, I agree yeah, with yeah, that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, but
0: there's I, think that, we've, I <laughs> think that our sort of emotional flatulence in how we in, in how we talk about our jobs doesn't reflect the reality accurately enough for me and I'm a bit of a sort of stickler but so 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 that so there's that then the other thing that I so strongly disagree with I can hardly control myself is authenticity how many of you are authentic at work you
2: see, now? You're all wearing.
0: <laughs>
3: do, do, do you not bring your whole self to? But, work? but be, be, be <laughs> you don't think it's valuable to be authentic.
2: No, what I think the, that. No, I think the word, leader. Do you not, what, I think work is a contrived
0: thing. I think my authentic self is... I'm most authentic when I'm really, really fighting with my kids, probably. And that is a self that I hope I have never showed any of my colleagues, even slightly. I think that work is very artificial, and I think it's good for us that it's artificial, because I think it still provides that segregation between, as it were, and, and I'm not even sure... You know, we've got lots of selves, and who's to say which is, is is the more real? But the people who I know who have who have the skill to get on best at work are the people who have mastered the inauthenticity of work, really, <laughs> and are most comfortable with that. And I
3: think historically that was correct. I think in, uh, in 20 years' time, the people who have been most successful won't, won't do that. And, well, and, I don't and, know. And, and, I... and same with politicians and rest, right? So. That's, that's I think, the actually,
0: there's an inauthenticity that just grips with insincerity, and that, and, or where you're bending yourself out of shape too much, yeah. and that either does psychic damage, or no one likes you because they can feel your insincerity. But I think that there's this sort of authentic fake thing. Which I, I aim d- at myself. Well, that's even
3: worse. That's yeah, not authentic not by sure. definition, right? Oh, yeah. so, I'm
1: not sure.
3: Fake authenticity. That's you, worse. You,
1: you have <laughs> g- genuinely. i I'm now. i You've made me at least doubt myself a little. So, but, <laughs> no but, 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 but I'm not sure that I do agree with your absolute visceral rejection of authenticity. <clears throat> it might be. It might be that. It might be the, the pure definition of the word. So, you're going to do the passion thing
2: trick yeah, again yeah. in a minute.
1: So, it might be the pure <laughs> definition of the word. But but, 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 I, but I, I do think that people who appear to be consistent at, at work, So, we're talking about work. Yeah. So let's talk about work in that sense. And, and I think cons- so, consistent and predictable. And I don't mean predictable in the boring sense. I mean predictable mm. in that I know what I'm going to get when I mm. talk to this person. I know what mm. this person's view is. I know that yep. if I say one thing to them, they're not going to, you know, ch- they're not going to try and, you know, chaff me tomorrow or something like that. And, and I think people wrap those kind of things into into the word authenticity, in the sense that I therefore feel like I'm seeing a real version of that person. I'm not seeing a front or a fake. Or uh, uh, that, that's that's what I. I hear when I hear authenticity yeah. in a work sense.
2: I think the way that work has changed, so, you know, the BlackBerry or the iPhone, the 24-7 nature of what we do means that there are, there are less places to hide compared to what they used to be. So once upon a time, you know, many people would go to work between X and Y, and even if you had a city job working seven till seven, you were largely uncontactable in the, the rest of the time. That's not the case anymore. So you can't hide a- other aspects of your life from your work colleagues so it does force you to kind of bring those things to work, or the kids in the back of the car, or whatever. Yes, and it that's might become play. more
0: acceptable. Yeah, to have you know your kids crying in the conference call, oh, and, and, and and that's well. and on BBC News, yeah, 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 yeah. But actually, no, that was case in <laughs> <laughs> point. That was, ver- that was, ser- that did, was a case in point. that so badly. Was that showed it unbelief. wasn't acceptable. Yes, I mean, I thought right. I thought what the interesting thing? Does everyone know what we're talking about? Yeah, of course you do. You know, however many (laughs) of people around the world watched that clip to me what that showed was the Fundamental inauthenticity of work, that the fact, it was perfectly normal, he was in his study, a sweet kid wandered in the background, and that was so weird and outlandish that every single one of oh, us probably watched it, it six I times. I thought it was actually
1: a reflection on our view of television. Rather than oh, well, like maybe. Yeah. I maybe, think it okay. was the, oh, they uh, but uh, telly
0: uh, exemplified yes. the yes. pomposity the, yes. of work. I have,
1: so, uh, can I move on to my second? Yes, to, uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. I thought of one that might be, I thought of one that might be, the there one. might be 21st century as opposed to yes. 20, 20th century to your challenge. Yeah, yeah, go on. And I wonder if it's something like curiosity. I wonder if it's because to, in, a, in a world where the world is a place where we, everything's changing so quickly. And I look at our industry, for example. I mean, it's it's changing at an incredible speed. Mm. And... And companies, learning and development programs, all that kind of stuff, there's no way they can possibly keep pace with with retraining everybody every year and every week as to the latest thing that's come on. So we are going to increasingly require ourselves and therefore our more valued employees for people that actually are prepared to get off their backsides themselves and go and and look for the new Mm. in a way that maybe in the last century you could be a copywriter in an advertising agency from the age of 18 to 60 and that was it. Mm. And and you can't do that anymore. Yeah,
0: I I think I'm to allow you curiosity up to a point Mm -hmm. i think curiosity has always been quite come in handy but i think more so than maybe than it used to be what do you think keely a couple um, for you that are sort of new 21st century skills
2: i I think building on chris's theme is resilience because you can't go into a career at 20 and think all right i'm going to do this 40 years and i'm going to have this pension and that's it you know if one in three people live to 100 how many times do you need to retrain? You've got, you've got to be resilient and accept that the skills that you've got today may not be fit for purpose in 20 years. What do you, as an individual, take responsibility going to do about that? Because the workforce will move on. I, I was in Waitrose on a Saturday by the lift. A lady walks up to the lift and there's this new device on the wall. She gets her mobile phone out, which lots of people in the audience will already know about. She's far more tech savvy than I am scans her phone what are you doing she's like I've got this new app I now scan all my goods around the supermarket and I just pay at the end I don't need to go onto the checkout done 25% of checkout staff in, in John Lewis group have already gone So what are those people doing? They need resilience. They've got to think about, right, how am I going to retrain? What am I going to do next? Because nobody's going to provide those answers. The state isn't going to provide Mm. the safety net until you're 70. You've got to pay for your own social care. If Theresa May gets way to a very large degree, how are you going to be resilient? And then I think the other piece around that is, is being flexible. So I think those two go go hand in hand. It, it is quite scary, but then there are lots of jobs like cyber security experts that didn't exist 20 years ago, and Grant Thornton people aren't still adding up, you know, numbers on typewriters or bits of calculators. You know, we had Excel and then there'll be auto bots that will do a lot of the audit services that we used to get people to do.
0: So, so just and, just I mean, I, re, in, the shock, in, in, in a shocking move, I agree with everything that you've said. <laughs> and not only here, I'm living it myself, as I'm going to say in, in, in a minute, but Andrew, Keely mentioned the dreaded bot word. What do you think, do robots change your vital skills for the 21st century or not really?
3: I don't know. I mean, I think Thinking about this the other day, and often talk about like, you know, driver's cars and stuff like yeah. that. So if, you're, if you're, you're a taxi in London, right? Okay, suddenly you've got a driver's car. I'm not sure the timeline is going to be what everyone is expecting at the moment, but at some point it's going to happen. You're going to have a displacement of, of essentially manual manual work, work that doesn't require craft or, or intellect or imagination or whatever you you, know, you want to call it. So if you're doing something actually probably that is soul-destroying in terms of its repetitiveness and, mm. and, and or not very interesting at all, then likelihood is it's going to die, whether it dies before you, you complete your career, who knows, because yeah. it, it, could, it could be off there. But I, I, I think that will end up happening. You know, mm. the, the, the spreadsheet stuff and other bits that people really dislike potentially that will probably be automated away, and it will be the interaction with clients and interpreting the situation mm. and understanding needs and all that kind of stuff. And
0: so, does that feed back into what you were saying earlier about it being the human uh, skills? I, that I, I, I personally
3: think you to. can't, it will be very hard to see a robot. You know, we're going to be nowhere near the robot that passes the Turing test, right? So, mm. anytime soon, I think we'll get them to do things, but I'm not sure if we're going to get them to, to be able to have the EQ piece. Uh, well, actually,
0: a robot took my job last week, and a robot is re- was reading. I do my own podcast of my columns, but we've had a robot reading out my columns. A robot called Amy, who's supplied by Amazon, yeah, and does an unbelievably rubbish job. So, um, <laughs> I, so I'm in the. Anyone else has had their jobs taken by a robot in the room? No, so I'm the only one. I can tell it's completely fine. I robot. <laughs> <laughs> robots are useless.
3: I'll well, I, I, I tell, I tell you a story. So my, well, a friend of mine, I remember we were probably about 15, 16, and he came and said, I just lost my job. He, he was at Tesco. I said, oh, what happened, Paul? And he said uh, they brought in the power machine for the trolleys, and his job was to collect the trolleys. Oh. And I mean, I was just, at that point, I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, "We need to, we need to make sure we, we're not the ones collecting the trolleys because the power machine can yeah. take it, that, you know, can take <laughs> us out." So I think yeah. that's a metaphor for yes. for, for yeah. something a bit more in, in society. But yeah.
2: But I think we're saying thirty-five percent of jobs in the UK in fifteen years will no longer exist because they will be replaced by automated means. So what do we do with all the people? You know, what skills do they need? And are those guys thinking about that?
0: And, and maybe that the skill that we need more than any other is the ability to be perfectly happy while bored. Yeah. Do you think? Because <laughs> actually, you say, Andrew, on your... Uh, uh, Andrew's LinkedIn, and actually, you've got various skills that you have not, disclose, you've not shared with the class. But on Andrew's LinkedIn thing that I was checking before this evening, says semi-employed, semi-retired, which you'll keep on doing until you get bored. Yeah. So you haven't developed the boredom thing.
3: Not, so, so, not, not yet.
0: So how do, how, how do any of you feel about that? That if there is less work to go round,
2: maybe that is the skill that we need. There's the Finnish model where they're paying people yeah. a minimum income and you're not required to work and you can work as much or as little as you like. But I think the early signs, I think they're only brought in at the beginning of the year, is that, that, that people aren't finding that satisfying because they lack purpose. Yeah. And so you still need to have a reason to get out of bed in the morning. That, that's, so being bored mm. is fine if you have a, <laughs> you have a purpose being mm. bored, but if you literally just feel that you don't have a purpose, that can and you see that with industrial economies that have declined, is that where people lack purpose, then they get depressed and mm. then a whole host of other problems ensue. So a bit of a depressing note, but <laughs> you, you've, got to fi- you've got to find some, a reason to get out of bed in the morning still.
1: I have a slightly less uh, pessimistic view of, of, of what work will be like. I mean, I think it is also important to acknowledge that there's probably the majority of people in jobs, maybe not the people that come to conferences at the FT, but the majority of people in jobs actually do have jobs that they find mostly boring most yes. of the time, in, in, in truth. But I think for people doing the kind of jobs that we're doing, that we're doing in the kind of industries that we are in, I think the importance of the ability to be nimble and the ability to be flexible and the ability to be accept- I think we need I know it's a cliche, it is a buzzword, but to be more comfortable with change. Everybody talks about that, but basically virtually everybody's uncomfortable mm. with change. Yeah. They're very happy with change happening to other people, but they're really not very yeah. happy yeah. with change happening to themselves. But unless but, they've chosen it. Uh, well, well, yeah. Exactly, yeah. unless they've chosen it's not That's not change. That's just progress. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I think we are probably all gonna have to get a a lot more used to change being happening to us rather than uh, be, or being forced upon us or choosing it, and I think the people that can that can skip from ice flow to ice flow really comfortably and be happy doing it, mm. I think, will be.
0: Uh, I, I mean, actually, just, once again, distressingly, I find myself very much in agreement with you, Chris. I mean, I think that if we're honest about our work, and it does go back to the passion thing, I mean, I consider I've done the nicest job in the world, and I'm bored quite a lot of the time, because it's just a sort of human condition. You know, that's just what it is. And I think we're setting uh, standards unrealistically high if we pretend that, you know, a lot of the stuff I do is excruciatingly boring. But anyway, but the but the other point about you're 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 pressing to say something I was and just then gonna, I was, yeah. yeah I was
2: just gonna say you know do we is it acceptable have we enabled a culture to kind of say well okay it's okay to go and sit on a checkout for eight hours going like this that's an okay job that that should be the expectation is that okay because that that's not productive. Well, that, that won't exist soon. I mean, there's so weird, that won't yeah. e- it won't exist. But have we enabled a culture that tol- almost tolerates that that's that's yeah. an okay thing for someone to be doing? Uh, yeah, I'm not I, sure I, it is an I okay. I completely. Thing. I mean,
3: you think of quality of life for someone. Who, yeah, uh, I, yeah uh, I just think yeah. it's no. I, I anything where you really hate. I think for a quality of life perspective, then
0: that's t- truly awful. I agree. Yes. But I think the whole sort of meaningful job question. I think you could make the job when you're going like that all day long either a lot better or a lot worse by encourage them to you know relate to the customer but you know yeah. but by, by doing it differently and treating the person who is doing that job as if they're doing something important which they are so I don't necessarily think it's in the work, itself. of course there's a hierarchy and of course mm. some your job is always going to be infinitely more interesting than that but we can't hope to be in a world where all jobs are equally intrinsically interesting it's but that's not the, work the, like
2: that. the matthew taylor rsa piece uh, that's come out recently is saying you know 90 percent of people think they don't do good work and it's fundamentally boring and is that okay and we need to change that i i just think it's quite interesting. i think our
0: expectations are too high i just think you know i think that there's been a f- Fundamental change in what we expect, and I think that's partly why millennials are so miserable. And it's employers' <laughs> fault because they are saying, "Come do this job. You're saving the world. You're exceptional. You're you're exceptional. You're brilliant." You're, you know, I started off at J.P. Morgan eight million years ago to come and be a grunt. You know, that was my job. I was a teenage scribbler, and that was it. Was explained like that, and so you get, and you're not surprised when it's like that. And I think that was better than what. It's
1: I, I, well, it's interesting that because 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 I think maybe for a small percentage of people, their expectations are too high. But I I think one of the huge, and this might be a completely different subject, but I think one of the massive challenges we've got as a society and it's interesting you're going to go and be a teacher is I think for huge chunks of this this country actually their ambition horizon continues to be way too small. So So, actually, there are vast numbers of people. The far majority of people in this country. I mean, we did some work uh, with Kidzania. Do people know what Kidzania is? Um, yeah. So, Kidzania is a, uh, in short, it's a, like a pretend city that kids can go into on their own and without adults. And they mm. choose careers. It's a commercial venture. It's in mm. West, Westfield in, uh, in Shepherd's Bush. And the things that kids, even five, six, seven-year-old kids, choose to do is, even at that age, completely linked to the essentially, their, their background, yeah. background. Yeah. their social background. Yeah. And even at that age, kids are sort of self-selecting what work is yeah. into, you know, posh kids go and choose pilots and and poor kids go and work in supermarkets. That, and, that comes back know, to role models, though. It, it, it does. It, it completely, it does. That's exactly, what, yeah, absolutely right.
0: Going back to what you said, Keely, about, I think, one of the skills that we need over the course of our lives is the skill to re-em... Or, or, or the... The guts to reinvent ourselves. I think that is going to be one of the single most important things. And to, go, to do it really at quite an advanced age. So I'm 57 now. I will be 58 when I start training to be a teacher alongside 22-year-olds. And Maybe this is completely mad, but what isn't completely mad about it is this thought that lots of people at roughly my age have just had it with their conventional careers. The careers we thought, people said to, to us when we were kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? As if there was a single answer to that question. And so... My generation pitches up at the sort of age that I am, having exhausted that, because even if your job is great, you've kind of done it. You don't go on learning much new after 20 years in one, in, in more or less, mm-hmm. and you do a bit, and then it's time to do something else. And because, you know, as you say, we'll all live to work. I, I typed in my details into a life expectancy <laughs> app, and the answer is 94 for me. So... That means if I don't want to be retired for more than 15 years, that means I've got another 20 years. Big decisions don't happen overnight. My teaching has taken me 10 years to get round to it. So thank you for being such a completely delightful audience. And thanks so much to thank Andrew, you. Chris and Keeley for being fabulous panellists. Thank you. Thank you.